Okay. Then he's just psyching himself up. Don't yeah. worry. This is what we do all the time. Do you want Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the Longgang Kiris. This is John Wang, your most handsome non-politician ever on the face of the planet. And then uh, we are joined here by Dan Wong. Uh, hello, everybody. We have uh, Jerry. Yeah. We have Angie. Hey. And today we have a very special guest, uh, also a non-politician, Mr. Brad Boyer. Hey, hey. hi everyone. Hey. Welcome, Mr. Brad. Thank you. Um, Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on, taking you know time out of your busy schedule to to come on this. Uh, back end ass of nowhere, sweaty <laughs> armpit of the Singapore <laughs> landscape. It's to have a, to have a chat with us, you know, to to have a lovely, you know, afternoon chat. So lovely. The, the, the branding of of uh, the Longkang Kitties podcast is mm. we're all supposed to be cats in a Longkang, you know, okay. looking at Singaporeans, the stupid Singaporeans as they run around, uh, doing their you know their life's work. So, what kind of cat are you? Me. The only thing I can remember is uh, from the book of cats, uh-huh. Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, traveling, uh-huh. you know, because I've traveled from different places and right. wherever I end up, that's my hat, that's my home. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> I need to look, look nice. at this. Yeah, let me Google this up. T.S. Eliot's book of cats, ah, okay. uh, which spawned the musical. It is a oh. wonderful book. Yeah. I didn't know that. Maybe before we go on, uh, Mr. Boyer, would you like to also just briefly introduce us, maybe bring the audience up to speed about precisely, you know, what is it that you do and... Who you are. Who you are and so on and so forth. So, uh, my wife would say I lay around way too much. Um, No, no, at the moment I'm I'm getting myself healthy again. So, doing a lot of exercise. I'm studying. So, working on my brain. Uh, Finally bit the bullet and going to get the degree after all these years. Uh, And, of course, I've been doing a lot of uh, research and writing. So, running my Facebook page uh, and quite heavily involved now with Progress Singapore Party. Uh, and their development so that's sort of pretty much uh what i do i guess who am i uh a human being i'm like five foot seven i'm 50 almost 53 years old (laughs) (laughs) that's a great description (laughs) Uh, is is, uh is mr bowyer the 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 oldest uh, guest we have had on the podcast uh i'm not sure (laughs) i think think so so, probably yeah. yeah Yeah, I, 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 I get so. the feeling that everyone who comes in here is like 20-something, so... No! <laughs> Thank you! No! <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> we are old, okay? We are old. Uh, okay. Jerry well, is a dinosaur. He's 300 years old it, today. It's obviously the Asian genes working. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What, what degree is it that you are studying? Uh, uh, mass communication uh, with PR. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm taking a lot of the stuff that I've done in my career, my media career, and sort of trying to bring it up to date, um, get all the latest stuff and stuff that can be useful going forward. You know, really understanding social media, the psychology of it all and and how to get messages and communicate, you know. You know, the reason that I wanted to bring you on board today was, Mm. like briefly, we wanted to have the central topic about so-called the political scene in Singapore. I think you are quite entrenched and in-depth. Yeah. And I think one of the key factors why our opposition is always just in shambles is poor communication. Mm. Like, do, do you think that's the case? I mean, I think there's a lot of, of prejudgment with the, the alternative side. Uh, one of the issues is, is because we have a very um, toxic environment, it doesn't attract the best people all the time. Um, and when it does, it's quite often because they have a certain level of anger or frustration. We now have more mature politicians 
developing. We had some in the early days and they got hammered down bad and then everything went quiet for a while. And now recently they're starting to come back. But it's like uh, anything, a small group of people, you're going to have a limited pool of resources and knowledge and, and all of that kind of stuff. So where they've had some areas of expertise, professional communication has obviously not been one of them. But it's coming up. I mean, if you look at all the stuff that SDP is doing now, they're in a totally different ballpark to what they were even five years ago. So, so they're all evolving. Yeah. Actually, we, we first met mm. at the introduction of Pofma. So that, yeah. that was when Angie and I actually walked up and introduced ourselves to you. So you were one of the speakers for the protest at Hongim Park. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah. And you so gave a really rousing speech. Yeah, yeah. And I, you were I like, we need speech. to get this dude on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I thought that speech was fantastic. But do you think also Pofma is now sort of the, the counterweight to the opposition party trying to get their act together and trying to say, okay, you know, let's let's put out clear communication. And then now the government's just like, oh, well, here's Pofma and here's what we're going to do. Uh, Pofma, I think, is around for many reasons. It's obviously a very heavy-handed law. Uh, a lot of it's going to come down to how they apply it and how they use it. Personally, I think it's more to stop information coming in from the outside than what we generate internally. Mm. Because obviously there's a lot of change in the world, the geopolitics are changing, the people that used to be maybe our allies and friends are changing. Uh, so things that they may not have exposed before may be exposed. I mean, we recently had this GLC being, you know, sued. That GLC. There may be other things like that that um, who knows how that's going to work out. So I think there's probably more about stopping outside actors who may want to dabble and may want to do stuff you know internally they might use it but i think it will be more a case if someone really does like an alex tan or something like that as long as you keep to uh, facts figures truth this kind of stuff it will be very difficult for them to use it they may want to but in the modern world where everyone can see everything so much it just politically may be difficult for them to to use it to shut people down they might, but I, I mean, they've got one or two easy targets like, you know, Terry, people like that. But um, yeah, I don't think they're going to use it that much, especially not in the actual parties themselves, you know, unless they really go over the top with something. That's actually a really interesting conclusion that you drew mm. from this, because my concern about POFMA is the way that when they draft the law, it's mm. so vague that yeah. it can be applied to such a wide variety of situations. Yeah. And then I think that's how that's how people get scared because you don't know exactly what's going to trigger yeah. them coming down on, upon you. Um, so maybe you're right that they're not going to actually use it, but more using that psychological self-censorship for a people. A lot of the stuff they do is based on psychology, um, but it's a tool they could use. Yeah. And given, you know, what we've seen over the years, then that makes a lot of people think before they do anything. It's the whip in the background. Yeah. Um, my bigger concern with POFMA, I mean, obviously I had my comments at the time, but my bigger concern is they're drafting it so loosely and so openly, even if they themselves today are not going to use it, how are the next lot going to use it? Um, because they themselves may have a certain level of, look, I've got certain discipline, morals, ethics or whatever. We don't know the next generation, the generation after. Yeah. So when you draft laws, you can't just think about using the law or how it's going to be today. Mm -hmm. You've got to think about it on long term. Long term, it's a very, very poorly drafted law that's open to a lot of abuse potentially in the future. You've seen like at the rally, right? It wasn't super well attended for the mm. POFMA law. And when you go around speaking to people, do you feel like 
they are alarmed by it or do you feel like they really don't give a shit? Depends on the community. Obviously, in the, the political scene, there are people who are obviously concerned about it. And then I think in the younger generation, there are people who are concerned about it. But anyone who's like 30 to 50, something like that, most of them are like, well, it's just another law. Um, until it hits them directly, then they might start making a noise. Um, so it's more, as I say, politicians and young people that are thinking about it. You know, because right. they're the people working in the social media space. Um, yeah, one of the things specifically about POFMA is supposedly during election cycles, the mm. ministers will so-called recuse themselves, right? Yeah. Of the execution of POFMA. But then they just, they sort of like just handed the power over to one of their guys. Yeah. Right? I think that's one of the main criticisms that a lot of people have. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like supposedly it's meant to, like you said, exercise some sort of discipline. Yeah. But then if you're just going to give it to, you know, someone within your own circle, like, feels a bit like an empty and hollow gesture well definitely it doesn't look very good um and a lot of things they do don't look very good especially like you know when there are appointing relatives to posts and all of this kind of stuff then it comes down to do we trust them or believe that they can be independent i i take them at their face value and good faith if they say they are they are but really they shouldn't put people in that position so it should have been an independent who managed that role at that point in time rather than another government department. Um, that, that's my criticism of it. Uh, and in the future, you don't know if they are people you can trust to have that separation or not. So again, it comes down to being a very poorly set up system that has potential for abuse, whether it will be abused or not. They say they're not going to do it, but who knows what their kids are going to do or their kids' kids, you know, that kind of stuff. So one of the really interesting thing about you mm. is the fact that you were um, kind of in the PAP before, right? Yes. Before you went on to join the alternative uh, opposition parties. Could you like tell us about your experience in the PAP and how, like, why you left it? Okay. Like many organizations, you've got good and bad. Uh, you've also got hierarchies in the way things work. Uh, there are a lot of good people, especially at the ground level, uh, and they're doing things on a daily basis. But as you go up the pyramid, should we say, the traction you can have, the influence can you, ha you can have drops off dramatically. And then there is a glass ceiling above which there is a group that have their ideas and whatever else. And you're pretty much your role is to get it flowed out to the ground. Um, I was involved in the national conversation, uh, did all sorts of uh, interviews with people. We came up with reports, this, that and the other. What it came across to me in the end was they weren't actually that interested to hear what the people wanted to say. They were more interested on the psychology of the people and how to convince them to do what they wanted. Um, and that and a few other things led me to the point that there's no point me being here because I'm just, in a way, I'm rubber stamping them by saying, yes, we've got this big party, we're thinking, we're listening, we're doing this. But in practice, I didn't see them actually doing it. So I figured if I want to change something, I'm going to have to do it from the outside. I can't do it from the inside anymore. One of the things that you keep mentioning was the use of psychology. Like, what do you think it is? It's trying to influence the citizens? Or do you think there's some other way that they are trying to utilize this psychology? I mean, every part of human communication is someone influencing someone for, for a reason. Um, and obviously, in the political sense, and especially if you're, you're in uh, the leadership role, you want to be influencing people to follow what you're you're doing 
Now, of course, a wise leader is it's a two-way communication, and so you adapt and you make decisions for the best for what you're feeling that, that the people are wanting. In their case, it seems to be a little bit more of their deciding and then propagating out. So they may be using it a little bit more to get conformity, get compliance, get people to do what they want and think the way they want. But, I mean, that's what most politicians do and yeah, that's uh, that kind of stuff. You know, I, I mean, was a leader as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, I think it really comes down to what's behind it. What's the motive behind it? Uh, and are you influencing people to do what's best for them? Um, I just have some question marks sometimes that the decisions have different KPIs than we, what we think they are. Uh, and they may not be for the best for us individually, even if they may benefit the nation as a whole or a certain group of people as a whole. So right mm. now, right, um, there is a, a very rude question that is boiling within my mm. body, my very soul. <laughs> and I'm sorry for interrupting your conversation right Do now. Do you want some must, cold water? <laughs> I must ask this question. Yeah. But I'm too, I'm too cowardly to ask it. So can we have John ask it for us? Is it a white elephant question? <laughs> yes, it's a white <laughs> elephant question. <laughs> Okay, so... I want to um, ask the question as well. Okay. okay. Yeah, Jerry. Take Jerry, the you, you do it. Come on, man up. Come Someone on. man up. Give me the question. Are we on the same page for this? Of course we're on the same page. Yes, yes. Uh, okay. Just ask the question, Jerry. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Thanks for uh, airing it out on, in public. Uh, so, Mr. Boyer, yes. I, think, I think the question that, you know, Dan is referring to is, for yourself, like, what makes mm. you think, you know, in Singapore, we are, even though we're multiracial, multicultural, mm. we're kind of xenophobic in some ways. Mm. So... In your personal opinion, what, what makes you feel that, you know, as a white person, mm. you can come to this country who mm. has always been very, you know, whenever some, you know... Just white get to the point. <laughs> yeah, what, what makes you think a white person can come in and tell Singaporeans what to do? You know, that's what, what we're trying to say. I mean, it's... <laughs> that was so amazingly awkward. I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. We must keep this Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, Stop laughing. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's, if, if it's a racial thing. Because uh, it's any person who's come in from the outside. Uh, obviously, I've been here 35 years, so I don't feel like... And I've probably been here longer than all of you have been born. So uh, that I is may true. have been around longer than you have. That is true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if someone had just turned up yesterday and then started telling me how to live my life, I'd be like, hey, come on, mate. You know, you don't know what it's, what it's all about. Um, no, I mean, I, I've never even thought of it, that, that line, because I've never thought of myself as not being Singaporean, <laughs> you know, I mean, and if you look back in the history, I mean, there are, there are many Caucasian families born and grown up three, four, five generations here, you know, before even Singapore was independent, there were Caucasian families here, so, uh, it's not so much the racial thing, I to do, I think it's to do with, are you, do you belong here, are you connected here? Uh, you know, and I've never ever thought of myself as anything but a Singaporean, so I really have difficulty answering the question. So, so maybe like I can just tag on to like Jerry slash Dan's question um, and ask you because you mm. look obviously Caucasian, right? Yeah. Um, and when Singaporeans who don't know your history, not knowing that you've been here for thirty five years, yeah. and you know uh, went through secondary school yeah, yeah. here and went through you know all these things, and create a life how, for yourself. Yeah, well. like. Yeah. They don't know you've got a Singaporean wife yeah. and and so on. Uh, what are their reactions to you? Like, what are what are their initial reactions to you before they know all, all yeah. of the back history when they see you standing on a stage and like railing about like yeah. Singapore politics? Yeah, I think it's a similar reaction to I've had all my life. Like when I was at uh, ACJC, I was a student councillor, 
and uh, get in the student council. Even then, you had to go up on stage, make a speech, and all that kind of stuff. So there was an element who are curious. There's an element who want something new and different. There's an element who have a chip on their shoulder and the racial thing and all the other stuff. And there's an element who couldn't give a damn, basically. So it's, and it's been that way for 35 years. So I imagine that 20% of the people who see me are just going to spit on me. And 20% <laughs> are going to hug me. And the other 60% are going to be somewhere in between. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, no person is going to be what everyone wants for 100%. So it's, uh, it's what it is, you know. I mean, that's why people are. Um, there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> you do have detractors from all sorts, right? You have, I think there was a Polish guy that was uh, railing on you. Uh, if, yeah. if it's, well, he's a front man, but yeah, if it really is the Polish guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen his picture. I've seen him pretend, you know, I'm Singaporean. I was like, bullshit. You don't write and sound anything like anyone I've ever met from Eastern Europe. You write pretty much like a diplomat or someone who's in a government office somewhere. But anyway, that's another story, I think. But, uh, what about like, um, have you ever met with any so-called local detractors? Actually, like someone who come up to you and say, hey, you know, you don't belong here. Have you ever actually met anyone? No like- one's come up to my face. There are plenty of people who are insulting online all the time. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, the only person who had an issue uh, and I then met up with him was actually Naz Daly. Uh, and what? I went and had lunch with him and we had a good chat and then I wrote some articles on the follow-up. So he did reach out, we did get together and, and we had a good chat, you know. But other people, I, occasionally I said to him, okay, well, let's meet up. Nothing. Nope. Yeah, what nothing. was the beef between you and Naz Daily? I'm sorry, I didn't get this like... Oh, well, memo. because the thing was that he put this picture up and he was hanging out of a car window, driving on the highway. And obviously we'd just gone through the whole Botanic Gardens thing and this, that and the other... And then if you're on the botanic, uh, on the highway, hanging out a car window without your seatbelt on, you're, you're kind of like, okay, so one law for one person, one law for someone mm-hmm. else, you know. Um, so it was along those lines that I put the thing up. So he said, oh, why are you having a go at me? I said, no, it's not you personally. This is just the situation and how people are feeling. So he said, oh, I felt it was personal. I said, well, look, okay, let's meet, which is what we did. So we had a, a good chat. He talked about his motivation, why he was here. I talked about what I thought and what, you know, my opinions were. And off the back of it, I wrote three articles that hopefully added some value and, and cleared up a few things. Uh, t- tell our audiences where they can find these uh, articles. Uh, at the moment, it's on my Facebook page, which unfortunately, with the way Facebook works, you have to scroll back and scroll back and scroll back. I am working on a website, so eventually I'll try and get them onto a website so they're searchable. But with all the other things going on, that could be a few months away before that goes up. On your Facebook page nowadays, you're doing the Daily Bread, which is actually a play on your on your name, right? Like yes. What, what, the, what your former classmates used to call you, yep. uh, which is Min Pao. Yep. literally means bread. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, was the, what was the genesis behind? Like, is it that, you know, you want something more accessible and easier to find? I'm, all of the stuff I've done on um, the page have just been different ways of communicating with people. And obviously some of the articles, I mean, they're like 1,500 words, that kind of stuff. So I would say some people just look at the graphic. Some people just read the headline. A few people read the whole article. But to get more connection, you really, I mean, like this podcast, or because I used to do a podcast, um, video. Um, so that was just my whole mindset there was, look, let me just 
try and do something that way. I did it for about a month, but then because of all the other stuff going on, I've had to pull it back. But it, I may may bring it back again. But it's just another method of trying to communicate to people where people will actually have the time to to listen. It's very you know? easily digestible. I mean, bread is very easily digestible yep. as well. But, <laughs> 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 but I mean, your your video content, uh, I do enjoy some of them. And, Thank you. You know, it is quite informative. So with regards to the other stuff that you're talking about, is it mm. something to do with the PSP? Uh, it's a mixture. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, a lot of sent to you in our preamble before we started. I'm, I'm getting myself fit again. I'm studying and I'm still writing my articles and stuff, um, which obviously need a lot of research. And then, yes, I'm obviously getting more involved with PSP as things move forward. You know, I've been volunteering. Well, I've been a member now and volunteering with them for several months and it's all ramping up. So... Do you mind just uh, expanding a little bit about our newest uh, political party, PSP? Because I think even myself included, there isn't a lot of communication done. I mean, there's some press release here and there, but it, it's not as wide-reaching. It's, it's picking up. I mean, yeah. you'll see that, you know, we've since the, the initial news conference and then the launch, then the Facebook page came up and started to do more. Instagram is up, starting to do more. Um, the website is there. So all of these things are evolving. The team that's doing media is growing. We just did our 29 on 29 where we went to all 29 uh, GRCs and SMCs at the same time. We had teams everywhere across the island. So you, you'll see more and more things sort of coming forward. So, you know, um, I think PSP is relatively new, right? Mm. Um, for, for, I think, a regular Singaporean, we might not know what it stands for uh, beyond progress because we all know we're like workers party is like more of the same but different <laughs> uh sorry <laughs> sorry wp but it's kind of like that um the, the, the lay person will, will categorize uh the political parties in such a manner uh, there's no yeah. two ways about it yeah you just have so to deal with it but what is distinct about uh about psp yeah uh i mean obviously i i i'm speaking in my personal capacity not not the party capacity but when you look at the messaging that's come out so far, I mean, the, the things that have come forward over and over again is, you know, for people, for country, is that that tagline that's over and over and over because it's, you know, it's for the people first, it's for the country first. Uh, with compassion, that's another uh, idea that's been propagated a lot. And, of course, accountability. All of those things that are, are seen lacking. How they manifest and the fine detail is obviously something that's going to be evolved over time. But the core messages, obviously, are that we want Singapore to work right. We want it, people to be accountable. We want checks and balances. But we need a compassionate society, and we need to put the people first. Um, those are the all-encompassing messages that have already come out, and those are the ones that resonated with me, which is why I joined them in the first place. Personally, you know, I'm actually pretty curious to find out. Mm. So over the years, uh, we've been looking at a lot of political parties forming mm. up in Singapore. Um, yeah. We have the reform we have uh, PSP is the latest one. Then previously we had a P NSP, and we have just before PSP there was a PVP party, right? Mm. There was yeah, and then then you got like rando randos like who joined in yeah. independently. So from a layperson, from mm. a voter's point of view, when when I look at the opposition, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel stable, and it makes me really think twice about voting for them. And mm. is there? A real good reason why uh, the opposition politicians just start splitting up, you know, even before they get things done. I'm trying to think how to diplomatically say this. <laughs> Don't um, have to be diplomatic on this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
let's say that parties come in to cause trouble, um, which causes some of the friction. Um, so not everyone who gets involved in an alternative party is really doing it because they care about Singapore or want something different. They're there more to cause trouble, break it up and do whatever. Uh, and unfortunately, they've been quite successful at doing that. There are, of course, some big personalities uh, that have trouble working with others. You know, So it's, it's a mixture of personal issues and outside influences causing uh, some of that fraction. And, of course, that they've got such a big mountain to climb and so few people have come forward that when you start something, I mean, it's like, okay, PSP is, is really growing dramatically. But generally, it, it's hard to then get it going and build it and build it and then start putting everything around it that's required. Um, and in amongst all of that, there's going to be stress. You know, any, any organization has stress and clicks and this, that and the other. And if you're small and under pressure, it, it's very hard to keep that going and consistent over a long period of time which is why the only ones who've been able to do it so far is Workers' Party and SDP. Uh, and now, of course, you know, PSP are doing it. What, what do you think is the, just from your own personal mm. point of view, like the, the solution to having all this very, like a very fractured kind of opposition party mm. landscape? Because I, I really don't think it benefits anyone mm. to have so many different parties within Singapore. Yeah. Like, we're just sort of diluting the pool, you know. Again, my personal opinion, some of the parties, you have to question why they're there, other than are they there to make people think exactly that? Are they there to turn up at election and make the alternatives look stupid? Are they then going off and getting... Wait, are we venturing you know, into conspiracy theory? <laughs> we are, well, is it? The uh, thing is that, um, I mean, that was a weaponized statement by the CIA from right back in the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, very, it's very easy um to to use that to dismiss things but then you've got to say okay but what is a theory if you're in science it's a theory you have a theory and then you try and prove it and you do experiments and stuff mm. so if you start looking at the facts re and repeating facts over and over and over again then you're like well now all of these things are lining up and actually proving my theory to be true okay. now can you put your finger on and say who's got what role in there that's a lot harder to do but it's very clear that certain parties have no desire to be the government they just they are who knows what they're there for you know um workers party came from a place and they had a reason to be there sdp came from a place it had a reason to be there some of the others you can see because of the whatever happened inside and they broke out so you know why reform party appeared that kind of stuff and of course chum sing chum si tong's party was there but some of the others why did they turn up you know and how quickly did they turn up? Look at the last election where everywhere had someone standing. But some of those parties, they were approved within like five, six weeks. But yet PSP took, what, three, four months to get their approval? I think uh, People's Voice, when they were coming up, took eight months to get their approval. And yet suddenly out of nowhere, two parties got their approval in five weeks. And then the meme could be, oh, we might have a freak election because everywhere's being contested. Well, that was convenient. Mm. This, this, just this things is, for people to think about right dun, dun, dun. Of Thrones, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. okay so so my question to you is like regardless of whether there, mm. there is a conspiracy theory mm. like for example some people that we know for sure are probably not like part of this conspiracy yeah. theory if it's true is uh people like Jer kenneth jarrett yeah you know like from the reform party and then mm. you've got people 
like Goming Singh, who used to be from NSP. Yeah. And, and so what's happening is that like a lot of them kind of do criticize opposition parties as mm. well. You know, they talk about how this party sucks or that party sucks mm. or... I mean, I, I, I don't think that opposition parties should not be criticized. Uh, but like for opposition party members to criticize mm. people of the opposite party, how do you I, feel about the, that? I mean, there's actually? a few things there. But before I go into that, though, one of the things I think we do need to change is we need to stop calling them the opposition. We're alternative parties. We're all alternatives. We're propositions for Singapore. You can have this alternative or that alternative. The only people we would be opposing as such is the incumbent mm -hmm. because we think we can do a better job than them. Yeah. So as far as the PAP goes, we may be an opposition to them. Although in uh, the way it's likely to work out and the way it works out pretty much everywhere else in the world, you're not actually an opposition as such because you're still working together on the governments of the country. Uh, it all comes down to mindset and angle. As far as Singaporeans are concerned, though, we're all alternatives. Um, so we need to start thinking of the language differently uh, and the way people talk differently. Uh, and that also may then affect how the alternative parties work amongst themselves and view each other. There should be a certain level of mutual respect, a certain level of decorum, certain level of things you say and you don't say. You know, it's, uh, we have a very, I mean, looking at what I've seen around the world, uh, and experienced at different times, we have a very immature political scene. It's just starting to grow up, you know. It helps now that we have, I mean, I mean, it's good that we've got someone like uh, Dr. Tan out there who's got an experience as a politician, so he can help guide the new ones on this is the way you have to be as a politician. These are the things you've got to think about, how you present yourself, what you do, what you don't do. I think um, the... That's all still evolving in with the others you know i think it's it's difficult as well because when we look at the incumbent uh sometimes when i look at mm. the way that they speak in parliament they don't set it like a very high bar you know because mm. they do a lot of mudslinging they do a lot of character assassination mm. they they don't talk about like the issue at hand but then they say some shit about you know the alternative parties yeah. uh to make them sound really bad and stupid mm. um and and that's the state of our politics here uh in singapore so i think it's can we just blame <laughs> for all these things? Basically, that politically, everything needs to grow up. I mean, I, I've seen on the outside that the people are growing up, but are the politicians growing up with them? And now, because the people on the outside are going, hang on a minute, how are you behaving? How are you seeing? How are you doing? It may, or hopefully it will, force them to grow up and start doing things differently. That's why, going back to your POFMA question, I don't think they will use it as liberally as they might have done, say, 20 years ago, because the public still matter, right? If you didn't matter, they wouldn't make all the efforts they do to get you to do what they want, right? So the public's voice and thoughts do matter. And when the public sets a higher standard for them, they're going to have to adapt to that, or eventually they'll say, sorry, we just can't accept you anymore. How should the public set a higher standard? Because, for example, when they passed the POFMA bill, mm. it just went by without much of much of a struggle, right? Because most Singaporeans didn't yeah. really stand up for it and uh, they don't seem to particularly care. Mm. So if we are not the ones going out on the street and marching and saying that this mm. is not right, um, how do we then set the standard? For the politicians well, to again, follow. again, I mean, on the on the streets, marching is not the best way <laughs> to go about it. things. Just, just do right? it in Hong Lim Park, okay? Um, uh, yeah, well, uh, obviously, I, I have my own opinions on how restrictive things are. 
Um, but in whatever public forums you have where you can speak, then people need to be able to speak. Um, places like this. I mean, you guys doing this podcast and then your audience and how you're going to talk. And then when you go out and to the coffee shop and chat with your friends and what you're going to do, those ripples go out and they get heard. You know, even if they don't get directly heard, they get indirectly heard. And then they start influencing, okay, yeah, the feeling on the ground is they're very unhappy about this. I've got to start doing something different, you know. Of course, not everyone. Some of them will be thick-skinned. Some of them will be, I can do what I like all the time. But there will be those wiser ones who will listen to these things and then hopefully guide the others that they need to, you know, change. I mean, the big thing is is, is, is to communicate. When you feel something not happy, not right, communicate it one way or the other. Whatever forum you have to do that. Sometimes I feel like the like whenever we talk about like very specific issue, let's say Pokemon, mm. and then uh, let's say I go out and talk to friends and family about mm. it. the central issue while being Pokma is also about freedom of speech, for example, like yeah. very democratic concepts. Mm. And it is the concepts themselves, right, that seems to elude people that the, that they just don't seem to quite mm. understand or quite get. Or sometimes they just choose not to. Do you get this feeling when you're talking to people? You know, like it, it might not be pop mind, it might be something else. But yeah. so-called the central concept is always the one that people just don't care about. There is a segment of that. I mean, if you if you look at Singapore's history as well, democracy has not been a big concern because although it's been more autocratic, it's worked and it's benefited people. And actually, if you go around the world, there are non-democratic systems that have worked very well for people and the same as there are democratic systems that have worked very badly for people it all comes down to the people involved and not the system but where the democracy comes in is when it does go wrong you've got a peaceful way to transition to something else when the wrong people do get there you've got a way to get them out up until now for the average singaporean i feel they haven't had anything that wrong that they've said, I, I'm not worried about this. I, democracy doesn't mean anything to me because oh, they're doing an okay job and this, that, and the other. When it starts to go wrong, then they'll be very thankful they have a democracy. And hopefully that's going to start kicking in at this next election where they'll say, hang on a minute. Yeah, there are some things going seriously wrong here and we've got to wake these guys up that they can't carry on doing it. But under a, a non-democratic system, they wouldn't have that choice. Which is also why maybe Hong Kong might be a good ver- you know, lesson for them to look at as well. Because over there, they really haven't got a choice. And so now, look what's happening. We have a choice, so we don't ever have to get to that situation. Do you feel that the protest is in Hong Kong is going to make people wake up to the idea that democracy is a, is a very important part of civilized society? Or do you feel like the Hong Kong protests have kind of turn people in the opposite direction where they feel like, oh my God, like, look at these people rioting on the streets. Mm. They've, uh, you know, brought the economy to a standstill. You know, things are not working mm. and therefore we should not be doing this here. Because that's one of the concerns that mm. I had. Like when, when they first went to protest, right? Like yeah. everyone was like, oh yeah, go for it. Yeah. And then now that it's dragged on for so many months um, yeah. and we all look at the kind of fallout from from all, all these things that have been happening, yeah. um, how do you feel yeah, about people it? People just turn off. Uh, do you think people are just turned off to the idea of democracy now? Uh, I mean, my opinion of the reason why Hong Kong has escalated so much is because they don't have that democracy. They didn't have much other alternative. They weren't listened to. 
and the way it was handled was very heavy-handed and dictatorial to some extent. Either ignore them as long as you can, then start doing all sorts of funny stuff and oppressing them in one way or the other. And then, of course, you've got other parties coming in and stirring it one way or the other. It's not purely a Hong Kong. It's now got agitators. and it, I mean, it's a real messy place now. Yeah. Um, if they'd had a different system, maybe they wouldn't be where they are now. You know, if they'd had a proper functioning democracy, you may have had the tycoons not having the power they had. You may have not had so many mainland Chinese flooding into Hong Kong as they did. The property prices may not be so high. All of the other issues where the... Because it started with the younger people who are going, well, right, I can't... Even if I get a job, I, I'm going to live in a shoebox. And they're like, you lot have given me no future. So if I've got no future, I'm going to just whatever. And there are ways it could have been dealt with, but it was, oh, well, I'm still telling you what to do. And so you've ended up in conflict. You know? Whereas if you had a, a, a wise leadership and you had a democratic space and you could make some choices and things like that, they may not have ended up in that situation. The situation with Hong Kong is uh, quite interesting. I've been browsing uh, on it on Facebook and mm. just like listening and looking at the comments there seemed to be a very big split among Singaporeans mm. with regards to how the situation handled. And I think it sort of boils down to how the Chinese authorities have been handling mm. the information as well. They've been doing a remarkable PR job mm. <laughs> for an autocratic society. Mm. But they've sort of painted the you know the Hong the, the rioters, mm. even to just call them rioters, you know, the protesters as rioters, mm. as agitators, as you know, troublemakers, and you know, mm. you get like this. Uh, old granny on the streets just like crying and wailing and saying, oh, you know, look at how all these young people are just working yeah. out my life. So the communication, the PR portion of it, I think we like we mm. briefly talked about it. Th this is where I think there, there is a big failure on a lot of the pro-democratic side mm. and that the autocratic regimes, right, are just really have such a big handle on it. Just like, just a, such a firm grasp on mm. communicating you know, anti-democracy anti ideas. I just wonder if there's ever going to be a way to, to break out of this. That will come as media literacy grows. Uh, as people learn to don't take things at face value, but think about them a little bit, to research them a little bit. And sometimes it takes situations where they get burnt that they have to then, okay, I've got to grow up, I've got to research, I've got to understand. I mean, a wise government and this is something i was trying to say during the pofma time you want faith and you want trust you don't do it by manipulating people you do it by showing them that you're trustworthy and that they can have faith in you and part of that is you train them to be media literate so they can understand it they can work out what is fake news as they coin it and what is not who should i listen to who shouldn't i listen to uh, and when they start feeling i'm being manipulated that's gonna that's gonna push them away, and then it, it, it's just gonna devolve and get yeah, get yeah. even worse. You know? I, I believe the education is the the solution as well, but this also yeah. points to the inherent attitudes that mm. we Singaporeans have, right? As an artist, I love to use metaphors. Okay, so <laughs> I deal primarily in metaphors, <laughs> and uh, the, how how in in the Asian side of things we are supposed to view our leaders is that they are uh, wise. Uh, all they, knowing. they are capable, mm. all-knowing, and we almost see them as a sort of parental figure. Mm. Like, uh, you do what I tell you to do because yeah. it's for the best, it's for the best yeah. of you. Whereas in, in the Western spheres, the attitudes are more like, okay, we cannot trust politicians, uh, everybody, the, the power 
mm. should be uh, divided among everybody so that yeah. one person cannot become too powerful. Yeah. So you, sir, have lived in Singapore for so long, 25 yeah. years, <laughs> yeah. about as long as I've been alive. And um, um, you have seen the attitudes shift or change or stagnate you mm. know, throughout this, this time. Can you... Can you give our audiences more? Okay, yeah. So, this? so if let's let's carry on down that metaphor line. Then there was a time where the Singapore government is the father, and the Singaporeans are the children. Right, the early days of the nationhood. Effectively, they almost mirror each other. But there is a point. I mean, and I'm a father now, and my son is 17, going on 18. So now he's a teenager, becoming a young man. He's going to go to army soon. He will. Yes, once he's <laughs> finished college. Um, so. The people of Singapore are growing up and maturing. We've been children, we've been teenagers, now we're becoming young men and women in a population terms. As you grow as a father, you have to change. The way you discipline a six-year-old and talk to a six-year-old is different to a 12-year-old, is different to a teenager, is different to a young man. That means if you are the wise leader, you've got to adapt to your people growing up. Singaporeans have grown up, but has the government grown up or are they still trying to act as though you're six years old and they're the father who's doing their thing and telling you this and telling you that? that that's the challenge we have here, is that I don't think our government has grown up in its attitude as fast as the people have grown up in their maturity. So, like, one thing that was really interesting to me, because I remember, like, uh, in the 2011 elections, right, mm. Lee Kuan Yew made this statement against uh, the people of Aljunit, right? Uh, he was saying something about, like, how uh, you're going to regret mm. voting for them or something. What was what what was the exact, like, phrase he said? I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the... Yeah, I can't remember the exact phrases, yeah. but, I mean, over the years, you've had them threaten, oh, you're not going to get HDB upgrading, you're not yeah. going to get this, you're going to get... Well, this is all... If you are elected to run a country, you run the whole country and you represent all the people, not just the people who voted for you. Exactly. When so you don't do that, you're—that's not moral. That's not ethical, right? There are some there are some serious issues with that. The 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 really interesting thing is that people really reacted to what he said because. Previously, he said uh, very similar things, mm. but during the 2011 elections, I think he lost at GRC because uh, a, a lot in part because of that yeah. statement. People were like, fuck you! Well, that's you because know? at that point in time, you've got the people are maturing. So, yeah. you know, I, I could tell my son when he was eight, don't do this, mm-hmm. or this is going to happen. And he might go, yes, yeah, dad. But when yeah. he's 14 and I tell him, he's like, up yours, Dad. I'm doing it because I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, and or and because you told me not to, I'm definitely going to do it. And now, 2011 right? was the <laughs> first time that like Lee Sin Long actually apologized for what yeah. he said or he did, and and then like everyone was like, "Oh my God, we have power! Look at what <laughs> we what we can do!" And then we fast forward to like 2015, yeah. uh, where we lost. A lot of the all votes. The, all the grounds all gained. The grounds all the grounds Well, it, I mean, it, we still have the alternate GRC. It, it but was a, an aberration. I mean, I, yes. I, one of the articles I did where I looked at all the numbers, right, how over the years, Lee Kuan Yew's numbers dropped and dropped and dropped. Then Go Chok Tong brought it back up. And then under Lee Sing Lung, it's dropped and dropped and dropped again. And if you look at all the trends, 2015 bucked the trend, but it had some unique outlying things. Yeah, so you had, you had Lee Kuan Yew passing on. Um, and you had SG50. So you had a combination of a real feel-good moment. Uh, we've been here for 50 years. We've done it with whatever. Plus, one of the key people behind us getting there has just passed on. That swung a lot of things in their favor, plus all the other things that normally happen. And 
you know, the timing of the election and the boundary changes and all the other bits and pieces that do influence those things, everything combined, you add an 8 to 9% swing, you know. How do you feel about the next election, elections that's coming up? I think we're going to revert back to trend. Um, because if you look at what triggered the drops each time, um, you had the overcrowding, you had the population white paper, you had building the casino, all of the things where people said no, 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 and they did it anyway. Well, now you've got even more population. They're just going to invest more money expanding both the casinos. And then you've got all the other things that have happened on top of that. You know, you've had the selected presidency thing going on. You've had all of the price rises for everything. They've just put transport fares up again. And along the way, you've had all the failures coming out where who's actually been accountable for it. And did they actually ever pay for it or did they just get moved aside and given another big job somewhere else or was it swept under the carpet or whatever each of the different issues how they've been dealt with there's just been a lot of issues that have all added up so before there was one issue drop a few percent one issue now you're looking at a stack of about 20 issues with no feel-good factor to counter it and we're going into a recession what do you think will be the single most crucial factor in let's say, uh, upending the, the PAP. Like, what do you think, if, if there's one factor that will just motivate Singaporeans en masse to say, no, fuck this, we've had enough? I think they've already reached that point. It's more a case of, do they see an alternative choice? Mm. It's I, not that they need any more push factors. Now, someone's got to say, I know you really want something different. I've got to give you a viable alternative. I think my concern has always been how our voting percentages ne never reflects in the percentage in parliament because mm. of our GRC system. So even if we've got like, say, 40% mm. like we did in uh, 2011, yeah. like the numbers of our MPs that were in parliament were nowhere near 40%, yeah. which is which is the thing that really pisses me off. Mm. And, and it's not something that we can change. So, you know, and also because they redraw like boundaries mm. all the yeah. fucking time, um, the dilution of the votes um, is really, really crucial. You know? yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's, it really fucks up. Well, what they have said, I mean, when they announced that the electoral boundaries is finally being done, I mean, you saw the articles in the paper, we're going to have more SMCs, they're going to make the GRC smaller. They may even add more MPs because, I mean, if you think about it, you have a certain number of MPs per citizen and we have more citizens, they may... There may even be more seats in the next, but we don't know. Um, so that's going to get harder and harder to do if you get more and more SMCs and GRCs. So you may see more seats getting closer to the percentage. I mean, it will never be one for one unless we're all SMCs, yeah. which is probably unlikely to happen for a long time. I think um, the great thing about them losing the Aljuni GRC and Giorgio is the fact that it, it woke them up to to the perils of having a GRC because when you lose you it, you lose quite six yeah, people in one go. Yeah. It's gone. And and yeah. it could be one of your key people. Yeah. You know? Giorgio was one of the few that I really liked. Yeah, we've had some good people over the years we've lost for different reasons, you know. Some have been moved aside, some have left, some have lost. Yeah, it's, it's a mixture. Yeah. All right. Do we have a magical moment then? <laughs> Can I ask one last question? Oh, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. There is this rumor that's mm. going around, and I don't know if you want to confirm it for us or not, or if you have any like mm. information on it, but is Lee Sin Young going to join the PSP? 
<laughs> I have no idea. Ah, okay. <laughs> I also want to ask a question before the magical moment. Uh, so you've been pretty active on Facebook, but at the same time, uh, social media is something that uh, young people have been getting involved since they can start using phones. They they have yeah. a social media page. So in the future, moving moving forward in the future, like maybe twenty years in the future, when mm. these kids grow up and they want to enter politics, mm. um, as someone who is so active on Facebook right now, mm. what advice do you have for them? Would you mm. ask them to like scale back on whatever they're posting, or you know, <laughs> like 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 no, there are a lot of dirt you can dig up. It, you know, and there's a lot of ammunition. Yeah. Don't send nudes to your boyfriend. Well, well, yeah, once it's on the web, it's on the web forever, Yeah, exactly. Right? So I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, if there's any advice you will give to, yeah. to, to younger people. There goes Dan, Dan Wong's political ambition forever, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only advice I could give is, is advice that is equally applicable today is don't put out or say anything that you don't want people to know. Like, would you say this to your friend? Would you do this with your friend? Would you show this, walk down the high street, showing everyone, look, yeah, you know, the privacy as we know it is very, very different now, and and it will be that way going forward. So just be smart about, you know, who you say and what you say. Obviously, you're going to make mistakes. Everyone does. Um, And that's where it comes down to putting things in context. I mean, I think in the US, it's got insane where they're like, oh, you did with this when you were 17. Well, who didn't screw up when they were 17, right? So, I mean, there's also got to be a level of maturity with every, but that's the media literacy part of thing, you know, and the growing up of the population. But yeah, just, just don't say anything that you don't mind your mother knowing about or your auntie knowing about, that kind of thing, you know, because it's going to be there forever. <laughs> So it is a customary okay. for every it's a ritual that we have on our podcast that I present a hypothetical mm-hmm. to every single one of us and then we mm-hmm. answer that hypothetical. But you must truly believe that it has happened in your imagination. Okay. Okay. So we'll go around the table. I'll present my hypothetical first. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, uh, so I, I believe you are heavily uh, into pop culture. You know your pop culture. Would you? Mm. Would the words Thunderdome mean anything to you, sir? Yeah. Two men enter, one man leave. <laughs> okay. So imagine Singapore has uh, gone to shit. It's mm. a post-apocalyptic society right now, right? <laughs> and the sports hub has been converted into a Thunderdome. <laughs> and you, or whoever who is answering the hypothetical, is the master of the Thunderdome. You have mm. put like uh, barb hooks and chain swords and all sorts of violent weapons uh, at the side of the Thunderdome. And you get to choose two Singaporean politicians to fight inside the Thunderdome. And this is a false dilemma. You, you have to choose two, two Singaporean politicians. Question. Who would you choose and why? Yes. Does it have to be... Can, must they be from opposing parties or can they be just from the same party? Yeah, as long as they are in the Singapore political scene. You can even put Giorgio inside if you so desire. I would not do that to Giorgio. <laughs> okay, I need to answer this first before okay. someone else... Hey! Pick my hey someone fair! I'm going to put Kelvin Cheng. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you do, can I be the other guy? <laughs> and the other guy is uh, Chan Chun Sing. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god! One, one of them will be the next Prime Minister of Singapore. <laughs> I, I, I was just about to say, if you put the two of them in, there will just be two guys running around. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know how... I mean, their political ambitions 
you know, will drive them mm. to, to murder. So I, I think um, <laughs> in the hypothetical, in the hypothetical. But Chan uh, Singh looks like a very genteel, you know, very, um, yeah, I say, Siwen kind of person. I don't think he's, he's, he's got the... This is a hypothetical the then. Just, 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 just roll with it. Just roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, I want to see a really entertaining fight. Uh, I'm going to put men of, um, with a lot of killing intent inside. So definitely Shan Mugam must go inside. Oh my god, yeah. that was mine! <laughs> I knew it, I knew That's it! That's unfair! <laughs> okay, never mind. Yeah, you should have jumped in first, Angie. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, so uh, maybe uh, Lothia Kyang, I guess. Yeah, he's got a lot of iron in him also, Ooh. so it'd be good to see them fight. Interesting. It'd be an entertaining fight. Jerry, can you go first? So, uh, I don't have the second person in mind, but the first person in mind is Madam Lee Biwa, right? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just putting her in there for entertainment value because, you know, when she presents her speeches in the parliament, it's always, it's always like, why this, why is this auntie mm. speaking in the parliament with vernacular that is used on the streets? You know, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Maybe she should go up against him paling. Maybe okay, okay. That could be the second one. That could be the second one. You people yeah. are so mean. <laughs> Who would win in this fight, though? I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go next. Uh, I will put I'll put Shamugam in for sure against Chan Chun Sing. Interesting. Yes. Well, we all know who's gonna win that one. It's gonna be a massacre. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A one-sided massacre. Yeah. The, the odds are not good for the other guy. You, you do want entertainment, right? You want it to last more than two seconds. <laughs> no, I, I just want violence and I want bloodshed. And I want to see, well, ideally both of them gone, but we we all know who's going to die mm. terribly. And I, I'm, I would be very happy just to witness that. And she has got a sadistic streak in her. I'm sure you can tell, sir. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. it fast and furious. So I guess that leaves me now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, look... Um, I, I couldn't put anyone forward to represent my side other than myself. I don't think that would be right. So I would go in there. Oh. Wow. Um, and then it would come down to whoever the PAP wanted to field. So I'll let them choose who they want to have their head caved in by me. Uh, <laughs> put yourself in Lee Sien Long shoes. Who do you think he would pick to go up against you? Um, I don't know. Who's the like, youngest, fittest guy they have at the moment? Uh, Bayam King? Bayam King, perhaps? What? Uh, Tan Chuan Jin? Tan Chuan Jin, probably. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a very fit guy and, you know, he's, he's got some uh, metal inside him. So, yeah, maybe. Okay. Or, or Ong Yi Kun. They might even... Ong Yi Kun. Ong I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's got he's a bit of spirit. And he's right, got right. a bit of spirit as well. So, yeah. He looks that, like he can do a, a good, good fight. fight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he looks like he's a gentleman as well. So, it wouldn't be too dirty. It would be two guys <laughs> fighting rather than two <laughs> women fighting. <laughs> I don't know, man. The way that he uh, mischaracterized Alfian Saad's poem, he 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 might be, you know, not as not as clean as we all like to believe. Uh. <laughs> is, is that the case, or is he is he just like a asshole that who doesn't appreciate his poetry? Oh, uh, we we don't know. We we will never know. I, I was pooping on the toilet just now before this podcast, and I I turned on my phone, and literally it said, um, Ong Ye Kung was talking about how Singapore would be better off. As a run by one, if the country is run by one party, hmm. and this, this this is hot news. You can look it up. I just hate yeah. the fact that we have him as our minister of education. You you need to you need to take him out in this hypothetical. <laughs> you <laughs> need to take the chainsaw okay, and just like, yeah, right. give me a little time to work out. 
think he's but, a few years younger than I am. So. I, I, we've got faith in you. <laughs> thank you, thank you for being so sporting okay. uh, with our hypothetical. No worries. <laughs> Don't worry, you have four witnesses here to say that you know the, all this is completely imaginary and yeah. you know uh, Ong Yen Kun is not going to take this out of context. Oh no, look at look at Mr. Boyer yeah. here. <laughs> Mr. Boyer wants to get in a fight with me. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hypothetical. All, guys. all he wants to do is kill PAP members. <laughs> Uh, it's no, we, a hypothetical. We can, yeah, we, we can discuss it like gentlemen with words over But he here. did say that Ong Ye Kun is a gentleman, so he should, you know, mm. not forget that and take it out of context. Yeah. I'm sure that portion, right, will be removed from the <laughs> audio clip. You know, and it's just going to be, yeah, you know, take the chainsaw and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you have any, any last words you want to tell our audiences, like uh, in regards to any event that PSP is holding or... or and also tell our audience like where we, where they can find you, mm-hmm. you know, plug yourself basically, and the PSP if you wish to. Yeah, I mean, obviously for me personally, you can you can find me on Facebook. Uh, Brad Bowyer is my uh, Facebook page. Um, I have a YouTube channel um, and also a uh, Instagram so and a Twitter. So uh, they all sort of link off of each other. Um, PSP is psp.org.sg, so you can go to their website. They also obviously we have Progress uh, Singapore. Um, Facebook page uh, you can go there Instagram as well uh, again they all have links to each other off of those so those would be the ways to find all those beyond that um, uh, as far as PSP goes it's it's evolving so it's a case of follow the website follow the Facebook page there'll be announcements of what we're going to do um, in, in advance and then then you can find those things if you want to join in or volunteer or help out or just you know meet people on the street when we're out there doing what we're doing yeah. Um, awesome we'll awesome. put all these links in our description box below and yeah. so if you're interested you can go and check them out yep and uh, with that yeah do you have anything then no I just wanted to have a big resounding meow shall we all do that <laughs> okay <laughs> with that there will be the end of the podcast you can meow if you want to Mr. Boyer uh, no one will hold it against you if you don't <laughs> <laughs> no worries I can do that okay alright goodbye one, two, everyone three. meow <laughs>